together and then kids, you will go to your breakout room. So uh, parents, if you missed that announcement earlier, we're doing a kids breakout room right after the sermon. And you'll wanna change the name on your Zoom screen to say kid or child, like right at the beginning in parentheses, so that we can help move your kids into that breakout room uh, at the right time. So uh, let me pray for us as we get uh, ready to uh, dive into God's word together. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the book of Acts. We've been looking at it for weeks now, and uh, I know for me it has been a real gift to remember that your church has been um, called together as a family through all kinds of times and seasons, including the one that we're in. And so to look at this history and this ancestry is a gift. We pray that uh, the words of my mouth and the things that each of us consider in our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, and that we would uh, be drawn nearer to you through your word. We ask in your name. Amen. So one of my brothers uh, sent me a screen grab earlier this week, like a little picture from his phone of a order that he tried to make. Uh, I think it was through DoorDash or Grubhub or one of those online uh, food delivery services. So he was ordering some Mexican food. And so, you know, the thing showed like taco, burrito, chalupa. And then it had a little section where you could add stuff on. And so uh, my brother's, uh, the screen grab was really, the, the funniest part was what you could add on. So one option was, do you wanna add on uh, more avocados? Do you wanna add on chips and queso? And the answer to that is always yes. Like always, always, you wanna add on chips and queso. And then the third thing was, do you wanna add on a roll of toilet paper for a dollar? So the Mexican restaurant was like helping you out by making sure that you could have a roll of toilet paper if you needed it with your food. I just like, that's just stunning, right? Like when in the history of mankind have we ordered food like that? And then also just, you know, yep, for a buck, here's your toilet paper. I mean, it's kind of a, a funny way to start our time together, but it is, I think, reflective of a bigger theme in our day, which is the theme of fear. Fear makes us do funny things. Fear will tack on a toilet paper roll to an order of Mexican food. You guys remember early on during the pandemic, we would go to the store and you could be guaranteed that the pasta aisle and the bottled water aisle and the toilet paper aisle were just completely cleared out. Somebody else said the gummy bears aisle was cleared out. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but apparently gummy bears were in short supply at the beginning of the pandemic. We live in a fearful time and fear leads us to make strange decisions. There's a, a story right after our passage today in Acts chapter five, where two people actually lose their lives based on fear, based on kind of like a miserly sort of me focused approach. And one of the things that we wonder whenever we're afraid is what do I need to do next? In other words, if I'm fearful right now, oftentimes my brain will go to the next step and go, well, if I'm afraid of losing my job, then do I need to be getting my resume ready? Do I need to be stocking up on hand sanitizer? Because who knows how long this pandemic is going to last. Especially big in our kind of national conversation right now is this huge issue of systemic racism and injustice being perpetrated against people of color. And it's been like that for centuries. And I think a very real fear within that, both for people within communities of color and people like for our church that's predominantly white, is will this change? Will there be lasting transformation? That's both a good question to ask, but it's also a fear like, hey, 
are we going to see something different on the other side of this? Will our nation finally come to grips with and repent of our long history of systemic racism? Will we finally start to say, you know what, white privilege is real and it is tough to kind of peel back and remove and start to work through. Are we going to see that in our day? We wonder that. And I want to say that today's text should be a hopeful text for us because it shows a church that has been transformed by the gospel. It shows a community of people who have found a pathway into lasting change. I think that's the other side of these fears that we see right now. We long for change that lasts. And this text is an example of that. It's an example of a group of people who take a core Christian discipline seriously. And that's the discipline of generosity. And I believe generosity actually has a lot to say to the things that we mentioned earlier that are causing all of us to experience fear. I think generosity can be an amazing pathway through our pandemic, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. I think it's a pathway through the economic uncertainty, and I believe that we have been, rarely have we seen a time when generosity can make such a huge impact around the issues of systemic racism and injustice. So we're going to talk about those things together uh, we will have time to break out and discuss these things a little bit later on. But if you're taking notes, I'll give you three headings to kind of organize our thinking around. The first heading is a call to distribute. Distribute is kind of the key word there. The second heading is a caution against wealth. And then the third heading is just an application, some practical steps. Distribute, caution about wealth, and then application. So what, what's this word distribute? Where do we see that in the text? Let's back up the camera lens a little bit and talk about the context here. Our context is we're in the book of Acts, which is an ancient history book. Think about it that way. It is writing the history of the early church. And Luke, the author of both the gospel that bears his name and the book of Acts, he's actually a pretty good historian and a pretty good writer because he offers these summary statements from time to time. That's exactly what Ryan read for us. Acts 4, this latter portion of the chapter, is a summary statement. It's a, chance, it's a chance for the reader to catch your breath and go, okay, wait, what just happened? All right, like kind of get yourself up to speed. Luke does this in his gospel. He did it back in Acts chapter 2 after Pentecost to kind of summarize the activity of God. It's a really good literary device if you don't want to exhaust your readers by just constantly running to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So Luke is giving us a summary, an overview of what's happened so far in terms of the transformation of the community of God. And within that overview, we hear this word distribute. And I'll just say this now, this is a fascinating word. It only occurs, occurs four times in the entire New Testament. And we're going to talk about three of those four times today because they're so interesting. I'll read this for us. Acts chapter 4, verse 35. If you want to grab your Bible, go right ahead. We'll be in Acts chapter 4 for a little while. So the people of God have figured out that there's a ton of need around them, and they have the ability to meet these needs by selling their resources, by pooling their stuff together. And so they do this, and then in verse 35, they take the proceeds, and it says they laid those proceeds, the money that they made off of selling stuff, they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Distributed. That's the key word there. Wherever you're sitting, whoever's sitting around you, it's not weird. Just say the word distributed with me. Distributed. Now, that's kind of more of a, like a, it's not a very artful term. The actual Greek word that's uh, behind that 
is diadidomai, diadidomai. And this is used in John chapter six in the feeding of the 5,000. Remember this amazing miracle when Jesus takes, you know, five loaves and two fishes, and it is distributed to everybody who shows up in that moment. It pops up there in John six, it pops up in Luke 18, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But the root prefix of diadidomai is the Greek word for many, many, like lots of things, lots of people, lots of places. Diadidomai is rooted in the word many. In other words, distribute isn't just about like, okay, kind of, you know, scatter at different places. Distribute is about recognizing that there are many who could benefit from what is at hand. There are many who are in need, and there are many who could benefit from what is in front of you. Acts chapter 4 is a vision of community trying to take this call seriously. Let us be a people who are distributing, who are handing stuff out, who are spreading it around. Uh, I'm going to share one of my favorite Texas euphemisms with y'all. This comes straight from my mom. My mom loves to say that money is like manure. It is supposed to be spread out to help other things grow. Money's like manure because it's supposed to be spread out to help other things grow. You're welcome. Acts chapter 4 is a vision of people who see their resources like that. Let's spread this out. There's a lot of needs around us. In the ancient Near East, there would have been a lot of the things we see today. Poverty, people that don't have enough food to eat, people that don't have places to sleep. Let's take this and let's distribute it. And I just got to say, as a church, Bethany, y'all get this. By and large, this is a key practice to our church. I tell people I am so grateful to serve a generous church. This is a generous group of people. And I'm not just grateful for that because it's, you know, my income and my livelihood. I'm grateful for that because we're able to do incredible things in the community through your generosity. So thank you. Thank you for taking this practice seriously and keep it up. Keep spreading that money around like manure, you guys. You're doing it. Now let's talk about the second thing, this caution about wealth. Wealth is useful. It's a tool. It's great. But we need to have a caution here. And we're going to go back to that word distribute to kind of figure out what's happening. Distribute comes up again in Luke chapter 18. So turn with me there if you'd like. Again, this word doesn't come up a whole lot in the New Testament, but the way that it comes up is so helpful for our understanding of generosity today. There's an exchange that's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke between Jesus and the rich young ruler. You might remember this story uh, from uh, previous studies. So Luke chapter 18 I'll read it for us to kind of refresh our memories, but be listening for both material wealth and spiritual wealth. Those are the two dangers we want to kind of talk about. Luke 18, starting in verse 18, a certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he replied, I have kept all these since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, there's still one thing lacking. Sell all that you own and distribute, there it is, distribute the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven, then come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. There's two dangers here. And I want to say 
both material wealth and spiritual wealth are not inherently bad things. They're good things, but they have an element of danger in them. The danger in spiritual wealth is illustrated in verses 18 through 21. So the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he basically says to him like, Hey Jesus, I have a target I'm trying to hit. I have a spiritual goal for my life and it's eternal life. It's eternal life. He says this right at the top. I've made some progress. I've got a great moral track record. My report card is really good. When you start to quote the Torah to me, I get it. I nod in agreement like, yeah, I'm with you. But what he's saying under the surface here is, Jesus, am I getting close? Am I right that I'm okay spiritually, that I'm wealthy spiritually? And that's not a bad question to ask. But the way that he asserts it, the way that his question even confers upon himself spiritual wealth, look at what I've done, look at the resources I bring, look at me, it shows that he doesn't understand the nature of what it means to be wealthy, to be well-resourced spiritually. He doesn't get it. You can't confer spiritual wealth upon yourself. You can't. It must be given by another. And it must be given graciously or gener and generously. Otherwise, it just becomes like any other idol. You can't be truly spiritually wealthy and believe that you deserve what this rich young ruler thinks he deserves, which is eternal life. Similarly, when he talks about his possessions, which Jesus kind of more paints the picture, the rich young ruler doesn't so much brag about his resources and the nice car in the driveway Jesus sort of illustrates that for him. And this is in verses 22 through 25. But Jesus pulls no punches. You notice when Jesus finally says the word distribute, distribute, diadidomai, that's when the penny drops for this young man. He says, give your stuff away. Give it away to lots of different people. Until Jesus says distribute, the rich young ruler still thinks he has a leg to stand on. And when he says distribute, all bets are off. And the penny drops. And I just wonder, when will the penny drop for us, for you, for me? When will we come to that place where we start to say, you know what, I just, I, okay, I can't argue with you anymore, Jesus. I don't have the ability to get through this day or to rescue myself or to raise good kids. I just, I'm, I'm out. Will it be when one of us loses our jobs? Will it be when uh, you run out of new relationships to try to explore and sort of feel good about? Will it be when your health starts to go away? When someone you love dies? When will the penny drop? For the rich young ruler, the penny drops when Jesus says to him, yeah, I know you got a lot of money. Guess what I want you to do with that money? It's like manure, spread it out, help other things grow. So there's a danger in both the spiritual wealth and the material wealth. And this is one of my, just, I think one of the darkest and just most despairing passages in all of scripture at the very end of this passage about the rich young ruler, it says, and he walked away. He literally turns his back on Jesus because he had great wealth. This can lead to a lot of problems. Like I mentioned earlier, Acts chapter 5, it shows a group of people, two people in particular, Ananias and Sapphira, who don't take this call to generosity very seriously. Instead, they choose to deceive. They choose to obfuscate and try to hide the fact that they have some stuff that could be used to bless others. 
And they not only break trust with their community, they lose their lives. This is serious. Both material and spiritual wealth can become dangerous. And so what do we need to do? Early on in the pandemic, let's say like late March, early April, like many of us, I was just trying to get my bearings. Like I, I felt so overwhelmed at times. I felt like kind of directionless. Like what am I supposed to do with myself right now? Didn't really know what I was feeling, right? Like people ask you like, how are you feeling? How's this going for you? I literally would not have words and I like words and I'm a words person. So I sat down kind of as is my practice and I, I just kind of journaled like, okay, what am I feeling right now? Who do I want to be on the other side of this pandemic, on the other side of this moment of crisis? How do I want to look back at this time? And I wrote down two things. And I'm not saying I've done either of these things perfectly by any means. The first commitment that I wanted to make to myself was in my leadership, in my role as a pastor, I want to be a non-anxious presence who doesn't dump my anxiety on other people. I want to be a non-anxious presence. That was first commitment. The second commitment, I actually want you to write down, and it's an acronym, J-B-G, just be generous. Can you say that with me? Just be generous. That is a commitment that I believe this church lives into, but that we could do even more with. What does that mean? J-B-G, just be generous. Well, before we get into what that means practically, let me suggest how we should come to that. We should come to the practice of generosity, spread money out like manure, with prayer. I don't know about you, but I've been convicted more than ever about praying about the resources that have been entrusted to me. If you've lost your job, if you're going through a time of economic hardship, you're like, yeah, I get it. I'm praying all the time for every penny. Like, I, I'm, I'm with you. You're preaching to the choir now. But do you pray over big purchases? Do you pray over investing in something for your home or a car or paying for, you know, something for your kids? I would also say if you're married, you need to be talking to your spouse about money. And you should be praying together about the money God's entrusted to you. Just be generous is not an excuse to go buy a bunch of really nice things for yourself or for others. Just be generous means distribute to any as have need right there in the text. That means like we've been saying all throughout the pandemic, as we partner with Inglewood Presbyterian and share this food pantry that we have here at the church campus, when you go out grocery shopping, pick up some extra stuff, bring it by church and we'll put it in the food pantry and it'll go to people who have need. Distribute to any as have need. Just be generous. Spread it out. We live in an unprecedented time in terms of both an appetite for and an awareness of organizations, nonprofits, movements that are asking for funding, that are seeking funding to try to do some really good work, especially around the subjects of injustice and systemic racism. Now, I would just say there are so many out there that you can find a bunch on your own. I would invite you to converse with people that are close to you in your life. Talk about it with your small group, talk about it with your roommates, with your spouse. Before you click give, find out about that organization, make sure that they have some transparency. But man, get out there and find ways to support groups that are doing really good work in the midst of these multiple crises of the pandemic, of the spotlight being on our history of racial injustice. There's so much good stuff out there. And I just want to leave it at that and invite private conversations. If you want to talk to me personally about, hey, where would you recommend supporting or who do you know of that's doing really good work? 
unfortunately, those conversations can easily become political in sort of a broad discussion. So I'd rather have them be person to person. But please talk to me. I got a bunch of organizations I would recommend around the subject of injustice. Please come talk to me because I'd love to be able to have that conversation. Support local businesses is another way to practice this. More than ever, to help uh, our economy get back on its feet, I would encourage you just shop locally, go support local businesses. And this is actually really fun. Give really good tips. Like when you go get your first haircut after the salon reopens, give your hairstylist a really, really good tip because they ain't had work for a while. Like let's help each other out. Now's an opportunity to support the free press and support good journalism. Go find a newspaper that you want to support. And finally, continue to support the ministry here at Bethany. Through your generosity, we've been able to bless and support ministries like Eastside Academy, helping kids on the margins step out of a downward spiral and into a place of hope. We've been able to support Campus Crusade through Christ, for Christ, reaching college students at UW Bothell and UW Seattle. And we've been able to support the Ministry of Young Life, which, by the way, all these ministries have had to innovate in incredible ways during the pandemic, and they are still faithfully doing the work of God. It's amazing. And your generosity helps support each of those folks. So thank you. And keep it up. As we turn our attention now to our breakout groups, uh, Ryan just posted these questions in the chat. We're going to go to our breakout groups, and one of the things we can talk about is money. And guys, in the church, we should be able to talk about this. I know there's a lot of baggage. I know uh, everybody's got some kind of story about a church misusing funds. I just want to say, like, I get it, and I'm sorry. Like, that, that is real. But I also want to say that I'm really proud to serve at a place like Bethany because we try to take transparency and accountability around our finances really seriously. We talk about money at every church membership class that I do. I always want to keep our leaders informed about this. So my point is, let's have a discussion about what can be a sensitive subject in our breakout rooms, and let's do it with courage. Let's have a good and a rich discussion about these heavier topics, because this is who we're called to be in the church, and I believe we can do this well. So as you go to your breakout rooms, Look at those questions. Think about ways to really engage with this subject. Kids, get ready to go to your breakout room with Kristen. Uh, make sure you mark that in your name there. Have your parents help you. And as we seek lasting change for our community, know that generosity is one part of the conversation. It is one way that we are going to really come through this pandemic and address these challenges of racism and injustice and do it in a full-bore, wholehearted kind of way that'll change the world and change it for Christ's sake. So let me pray for us as we go now to our breakout rooms.